Hello and welcome to the Industrial 5G interview series. I'm your host, Linda Ligios, Senior Innovation Partner at Digital Catapult. In this series, we explore how 5G is changing the world of manufacturing logistics by speaking to some of the most innovative leaders and industry experts who are at the forefront of 5G adoption in the UK. We will give you an inside view onto real-life deployments of 5G that are demonstrating productivity increases, efficiencies and resilience. And we will also discuss the challenges that must be tackled to foster wider adoption. Today, I'm delighted to find out more about the 5G adoption journey of a class-leading supplier of precision machine components. They're serving a market that demands fast reaction time and bespoke high-quality precision parts. And I'm talking about AE Aerospace. And to tell us more today, I'm delighted to have Ian Bouquet-Taylor, who is the Operations Director. Hello, Ian. Hello, Linda. How are you? Fine, thank you. It's great to have you today. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to talk. So today we're going to talk about 5G, a journey which has been, you know, not uh, kind of uh, short of challenges, but there are lots of programs that are happening in the UK and Aerospace has been involved in the WM5G uh, program. Uh, before we talk about that, uh, can you tell us more about Aerospace? You know, what are you doing and um, yeah, how you're planning to uh, kind of adopt 5G? Yep. Okay. So um, just as to the who AE are, we're an SME based in the West Midlands, in Birmingham to be exact. Um, there's 53 people that work here. Um, we turn over about £5 million a year um, and we service um, customers such as uh, Rolls-Royce um, and Collins Aerospace, um, Moog, um, Incora and people like that. Um, within the, um, not just aerospace, but also the marine market. So we do work on components to go on to gas turbines for marine uh, division of Rolls-Royce. Um, we um, are a CNC machine shop, so we've got a series of 20 CNC machines. We've also got some manual machines outside. Um, and um, we predominantly sit in the aftermarket support area. So when uh, crafts come in for um, service, especially older ones, uh, we're making spare parts that get fitted onto those aircraft for our customers who make units that then go into those aircraft. Um, we get um, sometimes short lead times. Uh, we get um, some very old products. Some of our products we actually have drawings from the early 1950s, um, and we're having to basically re-engineer and remake those products. So one of the things we're trying to do, and this is where 5G comes in, is we're looking to introduce what we call the glass factory. Um, and the glass factory concept is effectively the ability for our customer to look into our business and see where their parts are at any time. It's not just a portal, um, it's live updates from the production facility. So if the plan is that the machines talk to the scheduling system um, and as they um, either meet or don't meet their production plan, um, it will um, replan the shop based around the machines we have, the capacity we have and the people we have um, and using an AI tool, um, offer that back into the uh, customer's view. What it also does, it allows us to drive greater um, productivity and greater um, planning accuracy. And with that comes the ability to forecast forward very clearly when the available um, time on the machines is 
which we can then offer as a service to our customer. So instead of a drawing just appearing on the desk and saying, can you make me some of those and it taking 12 months to do it, the customer actually books out time on a machine um, and says, I want 200 hours of five axis machining in September. Um, can I buy, buy it now? That can talk, talk, turns the whole cash model on its head because effectively you're selling the work before you've actually done it rather than doing it and then having to wait for a payment. This is great. And I can see how obviously 5G can kind of bring that kind of um, higher bandwidth and la low latency required to look at data in real time and make yes. assessment um, in quality. So and, and you're basically trialing these as part of as one of the use cases that, that are part of the program you're currently participating in. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, we um, were approached um, through the originally through the Midlands Aerospace Alliance to work with West Midlands 5G on a project supported by uh, the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport, um, DCMS, um, to show that within uh, SME and manufacturing environments, there's a space uh, for 5G um, and that it adds benefit and helps productivity. Okay, so what has been um, your experiences so far? I mean, obviously, you know, 5G requires new skills. How has your company been able to, uh, yeah, to kind of step into this new world? Um, so I think uh, the experience, like all experiences on this, so just to sort of for everybody to understand, to conceptualise, this is actually at the forefront of pushing 5G out in a private network. So we are at the point where some days it works and some days it isn't working. Um, let's get that out there now. Um, but I think well, our job is to be a test bed to prove to other people that we can and can't uh, do well um, and that it can work in that environment. From a digital point of view, um, we've uh, worked with some of our um, current partners. Um, we actually use a company called Fit Factory who um, provide our ERP system um, and they've been developing new products um, alongside and we're sort of helping them develop those products as part of the 5G rollout. So from uh, it, for us, it's specifying what we need to do and then Fit Factory turn that into a, a tool and a requirement. And then the 5G network sort of attaches all this together. We've also worked with our machine supplier, a company called Mazak, who um, at all our CNC machines here are Mazak machines, um, who have um, added to each of our machines a tool called MT Connect, which is an open source translation tool to take machine code out into a common language, which then effectively um, our um, ERP system looks for specific commands that allow the um, harvesting, I suppose, of those commands to sort of trigger activities within our system. So counting the uh, time a job is running for against the standard, understanding whether you're ahead or behind, um, completing quality checks, then get picked up by the system itself through its tools. Um, and effectively, then all that data feeds back in, assesses whether or not we are ahead or behind plan. If we're ahead of plan, then all good. It'll, it'll replan the shop for us. If it's behind plan, then uh, it'll still offer us an opportunity how to replan, which we then have to accept um, because it will show us what um, uh, risk there is in replanning to move a job from machine A to machine B, um, or if it means it might impact a customer's delivery date. Um, we then have um, knowledge to use rather than just guesswork from our own side. So that's been a step in the, in the dark. It's meant we've had to um, basically grow up in our ability to handle um, uh, data in the business. So it's rather than just hunches, um, as a lot of SMEs sometimes work on, we've gone to clear data, clear metrics, clear performance patterns. Um, it's meant a lot of work to cleanse data that may have been wrong in the system in the first place. 
Um, but in doing that, that's um, raised our productivity from around 28% um, to about 35 already. Um, and we're in the early stages. Um, our aim is within the project to get to 56%, effectively doubling our uh, efficiency um, and realistically doubling our capacity at the same time. This is great news because actually, you know, one of the main challenges and barriers to adoption that we hear from industry is is ROI. You know, how do you demonstrate, you know, a return on investment? So to, to have those figures already, I think is a, is a great achievement. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think it's um, you know, a lot of hard work by our um, partners um, you know, the, and an awful lot of hard work by the guys here. Um, you know, I only steer the ship. I'm not sort of like making it happen every day. Um, the, the, I think it's been um, fraught with um, basic issues, but we've sort of got past that. And there are things that, in reality, with or without a 5G network, you would want to do if you were going where we're going. The 5G network for us, basically, as you said, latency isn't so much of an issue here because we're not, we're not like doing um, critical stops and things like that. So if we were, for instance, if um, you were in a factory doing vehicle uh, movements around a factory and you need to stop an, auto, um, an autonomous vehicle immediately you need that fast late that low latency fast reaction to stop something before it hurts somebody hits somebody ours here is more about handling large amounts of data and if we were to do this either on a um, wired network or a wireless network wi-fi as we built up the number of um contacts on the system the number of of, of items within the network it would steadily slow down uh, to the point where reaction was far too slow updates weren't going through it just grinds to a halt whereas at least with uh, 5g you could add thousands of items onto the system and it doesn't slow down that that term if you're receiving 600 megabits a second you're receiving 600 megabits a second on every device all the time all the way through and that's the bits made a difference for us that and also the ability that we have a camera inspection system as one of our use cases um that camera inspection system the files are for want of a better term huge um they um you, you, yeah we're taking gigapixel images uh, all together to compare surface finish issues um, and you know, loading those up and bringing those back down from the network for people to see if you had a normal network running um, at, I don't know, at, at um, 30 meg upload and perhaps 150 meg download, you, you would start to really, really struggle on how long it takes to, to get that data, which slows down our effectiveness. With least with the 5G network, you're tripling, quadrupling, maybe eight times, five or six times that speed. So it, it sort of brings that time to load those images down to a manageable level. Yeah, this is this is great. Yeah, really exciting. And I think um, for others and me manufacturer, I think, you know, uh, it's very important to anything kind of counts a little more, let's say. And what kind of advice would you give um, to anyone, you know, an SME in particular who wanted to uh, try 5G? What would be the first uh, steps or, or kind of any recommendation you would give from your experience? So, um... One of the things we've been doing, and this is sort of, I'll advertise WM5G, they've been producing some how-to guides. And the, the first of the how-to guides, it basically says, understand what you want to do. Really go out and build an architecture for what you're trying to achieve. And ask yourself the question, do I need 5G for doing this? If the answer still is yes, then really need to go and uh, speak to uh, the experts. So that's where like the guys from WM5G and below them Worcester 5G, BT and Ericsson who supported our network have really, really helped out because 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put it, I, I am, you know, a yokel when it comes to this. I'm a complete novice. So this, they talk in language I don't even understand. But what I do know is I need to get parts out the door and I need to make sure my machines run and I need to make sure my plan is correct. Now, that's the bit I can I can sort of describe and I can talk about. I can describe what I want to do on the system. I can describe what I want to do with the software. What I can't do is do it. That's where you need to go and get the experts in. And it's no different than if your car breaks down at the side of the road and you've never been a mechanic, you need to get a mechanic to fix it. Here, you get um, the guys from Ericsson and BT to look at how your network works, your, your map, your coverage map and the sort of system you need, the type of equipment you need, whether how your mech works, um, what type of edge compute you're using, whether you need a standalone network or a non-standalone. And I am going to clue all these things where at the start of this project. I've got an idea now, couldn't describe how it works. But so, you know, you know, it's two steps. Describe what you want to do. Work with a, a technical partner who can then help you understand what that actually means. And then when you've done that, um, start to specify a use case and make sure it brings you bottom line benefit because we could all do this for the fun of it. But at the end of the day, especially in an SME, um, you know, you, you, you've got, if you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for a reason, you're doing it to make something more efficient, um, to drive improved activity or more parts of the business, whatever it happens to be, each of those things has got to stack up. So um, what um, uh, 5G has started to do now is actually do some um introduction sessions to sort of help you understand what the projects are that you could have, what sort of things you could uh, have in your in your own uh, business, uh, how to build a use case and so on to sort of get you through that process of, have I actually got something I want to go and do? So they're running those at the moment. And if um, I'm sure during 5G, we'd be happy to share that with anybody listening. That's great. Yeah, thank you. And, and do you think, uh, I mean, as you've been trialing those use cases, has actually anything else come about from experimenting with 5G? Have you, are you thinking about potentially uh, other use cases that maybe you hadn't thought of? Yeah, um, alongside the um, DCMS project, um, we've been working um, with uh, WM5G um, and uh, on a project called, uh, it's, it's five pring, but every now it's spring because it's meant to be spring, um, uh, where we've got a series of um, people who've uh, basically have a, have a solution and need a problem to find. Um, so there's been a, a group of people who've come to us with um, augmented reality opportunities. So we can look at basically giving our team some sort of augmented reality glasses um, that they could wear. Um, so I can take away some of my training issues. So I could actually run instructions live in front of their eyes on the on the machine in front of them. So it says, yeah, touch this button, turn that handle, that sort of thing. Um, that's quite um, a, th a thing looking forward as we could do in the future. Um, equally, some of my inspection uh, activities. So we've talked about the fact we have an inspection camera system. It's very fixed. It's very static. We've been talking to people about whether or not we can go into a, a mobile version that can do more than one part, that can do more than one thing. Um, that's quite exciting because that means it takes a lot of resource away from me having people doing things and if we can make the machine make decisions for us which is what we're doing on this on the uh, fixed camera system then it means that i've got i can put that value of the of people with those skills somewhere else to make 
the, the, the more finite decisions between good and bad when the system is damaged, struggling to tell as it's learning. So those two things have come out very, very quickly as things we can do. Um, and I think, you know, along in a, a, an IoT environment, um, there are going to be lots of things we can pick up and run with. Um, you know, our planning systems completely overhauled itself through what we've done. Um, um, so, uh, you know, uh, next one for me is warehouse management, storage. Um, we've already got a project on calibration, um, monitoring gauges, monitoring gauge usage. So um, the, 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 I think it, it's only um, bounded by your thoughts and what you think you might be able to achieve. It's, I suppose it's getting a bit like um, uh, science fiction to a certain extent, where if you can think it might happen, you can make it happen. Um, and so to here, you've got to think, this is what I want to do. And there's someone out there will be able to write sort of software, work a bit of equipment to, to monitor it. And whether it's a warehouse and you monitor your people and movement, or you're making sure that people and movement is as um, as efficient as it can be by not having everybody crowding in aisle four, um, or whether you're working, running a shop in the same thing where, you know, you need to understand where, where your biggest selling items are um, and, um can people um, who come in the shop be, be picked up by a camera to see where they float to and you put your most important items in a different place or spread everything out so they're not crowded in one area blocking each other in. Uh, I just think there's there's just an endless array of things you could think about doing with it that may not be as easy to do today in non-5G systems. Mm, that's, uh, that's very interesting. I guess... Uh... In a way, um, you know, 5G is the enabler, right, of, of different yeah. uh, digital technologies. And, and there are so many new new opportunities coming out also with uh, blockchain technology, artificial intelligence, and, and, and 5G can play uh, a good role here. But I'm kind of interested to, to kind of hear your views around maybe the opportunity that 5G and the role that it has for the net, net zero agenda. Obviously, you know, uh, manufacturing logistics uh, are one of the key areas where decarbonization is, is essential. And, and uh, yeah, just interesting to see what do you think 5G could do here? So I think part of it is if you look at just our um, our activity here, we're only a small business. We've all, you know, but we still produce a carbon footprint. Um, and I think it's in the in the broader sort of um, net zero activity. Um, if you go back to, and just to parallel it to what other people have done, one of the things something like um, uh, Lever Brothers did with washing up liquid is they concentrate the washing up liquid, uh, which meant you use less bottles and you use less transport to deliver the same amount of liquid because you can basically quadruple it. It's the same with us with efficiency. So at the minute, my plant runs and I make parts for 18 hours a day and I make, let's say, five million pounds worth of parts a year. Now, if I could then um, move that up a scale by being more efficient, by planning better, I can then within the same amount of energy produce seven, eight, nine, ten million pounds worth of in of, of product. Now the raw material still has the same um, cost value effectively, like so you double that, but the conversion price and the the, 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 the mileage my team put in to come to work stays the same. So all those green credentials come across. It actually is um, you know, improving your business through lean um, and through using 5G as an enabler for that, those lean improvements by monitoring and updating things. It's actually a net zero contributor. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and it's not nice to see the way you've described. It. I like your analogy. Um, so obviously, I mean, the the project you're working on is kind of um, due to kind of close in in March 2022. It is. 
what are your initial thoughts about uh, deploying a scale? Uh, that's a big question. Uh, what would you say there? Uh, so I, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and I think there's um, it, 5G to us has been a bit of a Pandora's box. Um, so effectively, we've opened the box now. We know what good can look like. So we now don't want to get rid of it. Um, so effectively for us, we will expand out. So at the moment, we're covering five of 19 CNC machines. So we will expand to the 19. And all my machines will be on the same system. Um, I'll be able to get rid of paperwork, physically get rid of paperwork, and the scanning of that paperwork afterwards, because we're in aerospace, you keep copious records. So to give you an idea, uh, we might produce 10 parts. That 10 parts might produce somewhere around 400 sheets of paper um, altogether. Um, so you start thinking of that there's a, you know, there's a there's, I've got, at the end of the day, I've got to print it, I've got to sign it, I've got to um, scan it back afterwards to save it as an electronic record, and I've got to be able to make it readily retrievable. And this system allows me purely to um, not have um, any paper records. I'll be able to do it electronically. So that saves a, a lot of effort during the course of a year. But equally, I'll then put it out onto my manual machine. So we've got manual um, layers and we've got manual grinding and we've got inspection stations and we've got um, uh, hand workstations where we'll run you know, a, the same system there. So I don't need paperwork. Um, we'll be able to store things much more readily by barcode or by um, a 2D barcode. And in all those efforts, what we're trying to do there is go, that's what the future is. That's where we need to be. There are issues. I will say this today. You know, um, it has been um, quite a shock um, to me from through the process to realise just how early stage the ability to deploy is. So I, I think we're probably, for the vast majority of people, 12 months away before um, <clears throat> it's capable of being used widespread. It is not yet plug and play like a Wi-Fi network is. So we've had a lot of support from Ericsson. We had quite a bit of support from BT. We had a lot of support from a company called CradlePoint who provided the modems, literally on site, getting things to talk to each other because it's early days. So you're probably looking 12 months, really, to get to the point where you could walk into, if you like, the 5G version of um, Curry's and um, go and buy everything off the shelf, plug it in and run it yourself and let everything all work. Um, but that's why we've got the experts around. That's why it's a DCMS project. Um, so, that you know, for me... Looking forward, the opportunity for business over the next five years using 5G, especially as some of the um, later versions come along. So for those that don't know, 5G isn't just 5G. <laughs> 5G is just like everything else. There are software updates and improves features and everything else um, along the way. So release 16 and release 17 of 5G, we release 15 today, will give you greater um, accuracy capability so if you're tracking things you can track down to less than five centimeters by release 17 now that means you can track individual use of gauges in that case individual use of parts um, very small movements so you could track um, people's hand movements across the table um, you could track where parts moved you know one step down a production line of you know, on its sequence so those things will aid and will help uh, and uh, uh, and improve. Um, but looking forward, I think, you know, give it two to three years and this will be the norm. What we're doing today will be the norm and it will rapidly accelerate. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, five G is still uh, at a very early stage on on the adoption curve. Um, and one of the challenges that it actually came across from um, other projects such as the Industrial Five G Test Bed and Trials Program um, is the lack of five G enabled devices. What has yeah. been your experience there? Can you share, please? Um, um, I, 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 I would say, of of the most of the projects we've got, it's ninety percent of the stuff I see is a 4G device looking to ride on the back of a 5G network by having some conversion or connectivity. Just about starting to come through are a few native 5G devices where they will have a 5G uh, SIM card in um, or built-in 5G modem or 5G capability. Um, and effectively, um, that's gonna come through faster in the next 12 months. I think the issue is, is for most people, it's knowing that they're current solution once connected to a 5g network still works and then um, when you're talking to these development partners um like through uh, the spring program um is i want to know it works in a 5g environment well i've got to do today because that's better than redesigning everything from the ground up and i think that's a very fair um way of doing it it's, i suppose it's in the automotive world it's the equivalent of taking an electric a, a, a petrol car and making it hybrid before you make an electric one just to make sure that the electric bit works um and and i think that's that's valid it works um but if you're thinking tomorrow morning you're going to walk out and buy hundreds upon hundreds of devices that just sit on 5g and all talk to one another straight away um you're like you're quite a bit away from that to be honest with you again 12 to 18 months i think before they become the 25 30 percent of the of the opportunity Mm, yeah. And do you think, um, so we talked about obviously, yeah, what, what kind of needs to happen and, and things that are not yet ready. What do you think, is there any other kind of critical change that you think will finally accelerate enterprise adoption of 5G? Um, I think it's it's two things, um, maybe three. So the, the first one is a clear financial benefit in doing it. It's not cheap at the moment. That's why people like DCMS are helping fund um, the activities. Um, it, and and for most businesses, small or large, especially after the last two years, the um, the, 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 the improvement in data management and connectivity or latency even, um, it needs to be a very, very, very telling one on the bottom line. You know, you're not going to get project support to, to do something that saves you 50 grand a year if you have to put 3 million quid out to, to, to put a network in a large factory. That said, um, I think the, the other parts are, it's about having that um, demand from external. So one of the things, you know, we know um, that our, our customers, and more importantly, if you're in a more commercial environment, end users are more demanding about things. If you could say tomorrow morning, you could pop onto the internet and you'd order a new car and it would tell you exactly when that was going to be ready um, because you could see it and when it was going to arrive at the dealers and it was accurate. That would be worth something to an automotive manufacturer. Now, if 5G can enable that and it can also plan in what delay there's going to be and advise you there's going to be a delay, that's, that's great. And I suppose um, th those sort of things, Customers are going to start demanding that. The last two years for us, around as a as, as a as a global community, means a lot more of us have spent more time online. We're used to internet shopping. We're used to using um, data and analytics to tell us what's happening around the place. 
you now are going to have people coming back into the work environment and expecting that small businesses can do exactly the same. The Amazons of this world spend an absolute fortune on doing their tracking systems. Um, um, and even then, it doesn't always work for some other providers out there. You, you all know of instances where something's meant to be delivered to you, it gets delivered next door and you, know, you don't get the card for two days. Those sorts of things all happen. If you can raise that expectation, it's going to come. Then the need to have those systems in place that require greater levels of items to be connected, greater levels of response time, um, live updates, um, make life much better. I think it, it's me putting analogies back across, but if you could look on your Tesco shopping and know that when you go to order something, based on the current orders in the system from somewhere else, there isn't any beans left, then you know you're going to get a, um, if you've done an online shop, you know you're going to get somebody put an equivalent in for you. Or, um, um, you know, so, so instead of having Heinz beans, you're going to get, I don't know, Cross and Blackwell. That those, those, if you know that's going to happen, it's fine. Rather than the driver turn up and going, I'm really sorry, we haven't got any um, Heinz beans that we put Cross and Blackwell instead. That, that sort of thing would be, is, is more readily available with these faster systems with 5G, really interrogating uh, the live stock updates of a store, what's happened live on the till, reserving stock. Those sorts of things could happen with 5G. They can't do today with the slower networks we've got around us. So the consumers will drive it. The desire for information will drive it. Having items that are more readily connected, this IoT process where everything is connected everywhere will drive all that demand and eventually it will become the norm. Thank you, Ian. And I think, yeah, technologies are, there's also a convergence, right, of technology and, and more innovation coming in the space of, 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 of digital. So I guess more data, um, higher, higher connectivity, faster bandwidth. Um, to conclude, I mean, we like to kind of uh, see uh, what you think about the future. Uh, you already shared with us some opportunities. Can you kind of summarize in one sentence, how do you see the future of industrial 5G, in particular for your industry sector? So I think um, if I had to look 10 years down the road, aerospace is actually, um, even though it's at the forefront of, of um, people's minds in terms of technology and quality, it's actually quite a slow sector compared to food or automotive because of the inherent safety issues. It gets massive amounts of paperwork around ourselves. So I think what will happen is um, the um the, the, the certification bodies so for, and, and the safety bodies will latch onto the idea that you can gather together using the 5g network all the data about any part anywhere anytime at the touch of a button and you could be able to connect all these networks together and keep that data at hand so if there is an aerospace for instance an air incident where there's a requirement to go and look at data it won't take months to go and trawl and get that data now that will drive our network and what we do straight away. So for me, it's it's about connectivity. It's about linking data. And it's about speed of response that will only improve everything around aircraft and aircraft safety. Great. Nice way to end today's interview. Uh, thank you very much, Ian. It's been a pleasure to have you today. And I wish you all the best with the trials and um, hopefully um, deployment at scale. Okay. Thank you very much, Linda. Speak to you soon. Thank you.